Welcome to Revenue Champions, I'm Alice. And I'm John. We interview leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs in the B2B space. Giving you the inside tips, tricks, and hacks for you to grow and scale your B2B business today. So Michael, welcome to the Revenue Champions podcast. Today, we're going to go through how to structure and organize your sales team for repeatable success. So for anyone who doesn't know you, Michael, do you mind just giving a quick intro to yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. And great to be here, Jonathan. And I really appreciate the, the invite. My name is Michael Hansen. As you said, I'm the, the founder of Growth Genie. We're a sales consultancy that empowers B2B sales teams to to have better conversations. And we do that through things like outbound playbooks, cadences, and weekly training and, and coaching sessions with outbound teams. And that's not just SDRs, there's a big movement for account executives actually to do a lot of their, their own outbound. And um, the reason I set up the company, I come from the world of actually outsource SDRs. So I used to work for a company called CloudTask, was the head of growth. So sales and marketing there, helped grow the company from 10 to 200 employees and saw kind of what was working, what wasn't working in outbound across a wide variety of industries and thought, hey, there's a big market here to help um, companies when it comes to, to outbound messaging, which is why I decided to set up Growth Genie. So yeah, that's what, what's kind of brought me to this moment in my career. Great intro. Yeah, so Michael, do you mind just delving in a little bit deeper on Growth Genie then about what you guys do on like a day-to-day basis? Is it exclusively with SCR teams that you work with? Yeah, so it's um it's, it's it's generally sales teams. So it's not not just SDR teams. Yeah, we do work predominantly with SDRs. Something that's been quite surprising is last year, like so I set up the company in September 2019. And yeah, given my background in the world about source SDRs, I was like, yeah, we're gonna be helping SDR teams with their messaging, training, and coaching. And then what I saw in 2020 is there's this huge push at the moment for account executives, closers, whatever you want to call them, to actually source a lot of their own pipeline. I think it's always been like that in in many industries. We've always had full cycle salespeople, but I think we had this whole like SDRA model, especially in in SaaS and software. And I think a lot of sales leaders got sick of it because you get often these like entitled account executives who are like, where are my inbound leads? Where are my SDR leads? And they never get their own business. I've worked with people like that before. And I'm like, you've got like 10, 15 years sales experience, like call up your network. Like I'm sure you could, you could source your own deals. And then yeah, about us, our our process is, is pretty much fourfold. So the first part of the process is we do a deep dive analysis of um, everything a company is currently doing. So like we're a cognizant partner. So data is like one part because I'm like, who's your ideal customer profile? How are you getting data to to go after them? Um, Then we're also looking at, we have what's their current messaging, what's their product or service. That's actually the least important part when you're just trying to book a meeting. And then from there, we'll we'll build a playbook, which is kind of like the skeleton of messaging. So it's channel agnostic. And then after we've got that, that kind of skeleton of messaging, it's like, okay, how do we use this on LinkedIn, on email, on phone calls, and then on innovative things like SMS, WhatsApp, video. And then from there, we've kind of built a process and then we give it to the teams and then they go out and do their thing and implement it. And then we have weekly training and and coaching sessions. And typically there's two sides of our business, like SaaS and technology companies. And then we also work with with a lot of outsourcers. Cool. So when you take on these new clients, like what are the key like priorities that you tend to, or they tend to put forward and how do you look to make that repeatable and scalable? Because obviously putting in a process if it's not repeatable and scalable it's probably not not worth the implementation so do you mind just talking through that yeah sure predominantly people come to us because they want to grow the pipeline that they're generating from outbound naturally because we're experts in outbound often we go into the inbound process and we're like 
okay, you've only followed up with an inbound lead three times, you can actually get more pipeline from inbound as well. But predominantly, they come, they come to us from outbound. And a lot of it is, is changing the mindset. So that was a big surprise of, we got a lot of methodologies about how we use different channels. I did an end of year survey with our customers and the common thing that really came up is like you're changing the mindset of, of salespeople, but it's really not a surprise because to be outbound focused, often obviously you're going to get a lot more yeses and no's. It's about how you react, sorry, a lot more no's than yeses. It's about how you react to that. That's that's really going to define you. Yes, as I said, it's, it's that, that outbound pipeline. So essentially people come to us and maybe they're completely... Um, inbound focus we had a client last year um who were like predominantly uh, inbound focus I can, I can actually say their name as we're about to release a case study with them called proposify they're actually a proposal software so um, i'm sure there's sales leaders out there I'd recommend having having a look at it and in um march last year they were like getting like 95 percent of their pipe from inbound and now it's almost like 50 50 they made a real investment in outbound they were getting maybe like one or two opportunities a month from it. And now, you know, they're getting like over over 20 a month. So they've really invested in that. So it's companies that, yeah, fast growing, but they've, they're quite reliant on inbound. They want to make a, a big move to outbound or they, they're doing quite well in outbound, but they know they can probably make some tweaks to, to their messaging that, that, that will help them. Yeah, so just on the back of that, do you see quite a big hindrance in the growth of some of these companies because they just haven't invested in outbound and it's especially for these high growth startups is it really impacting their trajectory of growth yeah it's, it's a common story you hear when you you look at companies as you know they're like series a b c whatever maybe they hit you know five ten million in revenue and they're predominantly inbound focus and then what they realize is like hey actually we want to get more enterprise customers and the best way to get enterprise customers is actually through outbound because you can be very targeted about who you pick and it, you know one of the ways i say difference between marketing and sales is Marketing is a lot more of a like one size fits all message in, in the sense that when you put out a marketing campaign on your website, your website is never going to change, right? Whereas the difference with um, sales is you can create a very personalized experience. You can create, sales is going to target Cognizant. I could create um, loads of messaging around how, you know, you guys have got this amazing sales data and uh, how you're trying to sell to sales and marketing leaders and target my messaging 100% to that value proposition. Um, so when you're going more into the enterprise, you can be a lot more personalized. And that's the thing with, with outbound is 90% of companies are doing outbound wrong. But when you actually create very personalized, targeted messaging, um, you can get lots of enterprise customers. And we have you know, loads of use cases of, of companies that are doing that using our methodologies. Okay, perfect. And I was just going to go down the route of um, you're talking about like the level of personalization that um, obviously that's key to actually building a predictable outbound engine yeah. what do you see the role of sales engagement playing that like the likes of outreach and sales loft is that a hindrance to it and it's making sdrs and aes quite lazy or do you think there's a lot of value that for that kind of space coming no i th i think there's huge value and we we partner same way like i was saying during onboarding we do a deep dive into technology so like data is one aspect like are you using a tool like cognizant to get leads but then another aspect is how your sdr is reaching out to people and then you know tools like sales loft outreach apollo we're pretty vendor neutral when it comes to them so we partner with all of them they're all brilliant the problem is the way that sales teams are using them is often not brilliant so my goal with an automated email and this is what i say to clients is you want your automated email to actually look personalized. And actually the way you do this, and this comes back in to Cognizant, 
is essentially you have to filter your list. If you've got a list of like a thousand people, you probably want to be breaking that down into like three lists and how you can do that. The most basic way is three personas, right? So like Cognizant and, and Growth Genie, we sell probably to sales leaders and marketing leaders and to CEOs. We're going to have different messaging for each of those three um, personas. Second one could be industry, right? So look at all your best stories. If your stories are in particular industries, like I mentioned we probably sell to software and, and outsourcers. So I could build messaging specifically around how we help outsourcers. And then a third one is what we call triggers, right? So a trigger in the case of Growth Genie is I know of a company's hiring sales reps that they're actually a very good fit for our service because they probably, a VP of sales may not have time to onboard, train, set those reps up for success. So like the campaigns rerun is where I'm targeting a sales leader. I know they're in SaaS and they're actually hiring salespeople and I can make specific messaging saying, you know, hey, Jonathan, I noticed you're in the process of hiring SDRs. As you hire SDRs, I know it can take a lot of work because you've got to train, onboard them and set them up for success. Um, would you be interested in like a, a guide of how you can help onboard them, right? And that actually seems like a personalized message, even though I can build a list of 500 sales leaders who are all hiring salespeople. So it's actually automated, but it looks personalized. So yeah, those tools are brilliant, but it's just about the way that you use them. Okay, you spoke there about like the personas um, and actually really fine tuning and like, identifying those, those leads. For me, like for an early stage company, that's say you partner with a very, very early stage company, how do you know what people to prospect to, into? Because they might not have relevant case studies. They might not have defined their ICP. Like what role can you add or what would you advise for those very early stage companies? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think it's about getting to know your market and like maybe you don't have a lot. Because the first thing I always say, if you do have customers, interview them and ask them, what were the things you were struggling with before you started with us and how have we helped you, right? That's the whole story. Those are the things you want to be talking about. And you if you do have customers, target people with similar profiles. If you have very few customers, think about who could be your customers and don't sell to them, just interview them and be like, look, this is what we do. Do you think it would be of interest? Do you know anyone else who, who may be interested in this? Because that's essentially what you've got to do. You've got to get validation from your market. And I went through the same process, right? Like at the, at the end of 2019, when I set up my company, I wasn't sure like who we were going to work with. And now we've got a pretty defined ICP, which is like 30 to 500 employees rapidly growing. Um, and then, as I said, we've kind of even defined it more into like industries now, like software and, and, and outsources. So um, yeah, it takes a bit of time, but just be patient. Like into the customers that you do have always interview them. Don't just treat them as customers have like conversations aside, like what's working for you, what's not working, get negative feedback as well. That's always important. And then from there, you'll know who your ideal customer profile is. Perfect. Really useful insight for everyone listening. Okay, cool. So um, you spoke there about, or we've spoken about the ASDR handover that you discussed earlier. Do you see, I know it's quite a contentious question, but do you <laughs> see this being the future of future model of SaaS sales, like that, that handover process, or do you think it's going more to a full cycle yeah, as I said, we've, we've got a lot of clients now who do want that, that full cycle model. I think there will always be a place for the SDR. And again, you know, the whole SDR model that came about with kind of like Aaron Ross predictable revenue, but that role really, that was just a new term given to it for software that existed before, like telemarketing, telesales, whatever you want to call it. Someone used to pick up a phone, book a meeting for someone. Um, so I think that model will always be around. I think what really needs to improve 
is the process because what I'm seeing and I'm hearing from a lot of other sales leaders and even people as buyers, I've been through it as a buyer, is you're waiting like three or four calls to get a demo of a software because you get like qualified, you get on a discovery call and you know, you go on the website and you press book a demo, but then you don't get a demo, you get this whole process and that process is completely about the company and not about you and they're just treating it transactional. They're like, okay, there's this process that we need to take this person through. They're not thinking about, okay, this is a busy person, especially if you're dealing with like a, an enterprise C-level person. They've hardly got time and you need to really value their time. So I think that whole model is broken. And I think the, and a lot of it comes from what I see as well across our clients is the SDRs and AEs don't actually work together as a team. And the AE is not the SDR's boss. The AEs and SDRs should be like partners and, and collaborating together. So I think, I don't think it's going to go away that model, but I think it needs to evolve a lot. Okay. So looking at the actual handover itself, what have you seen that works really, really well? Is it between the SDRs and AEs? Is it engagement conversations? Is it shortening the number of conversations before the prospect gets to speak to, to the organization? Like what, what have you seen to be really, really successful? So I think the first thing is like setting expectations properly. So say, you know, I'm, I'm not against not having a demo on the first call, right? I get there may be a discovery process so you can tailor the demo more, but set expectations with the person. Don't say book a demo and then they don't get a demo say, hey, we're going to do a demo, but first we need to do a bit of discovery, really get to know you and your pains, and then we can give a really customized demo that's more relevant to you. So that's one thing, setting expectations. Another thing which is really good for the SDRs is actually that they go on the calls that they book for A's. And there's a couple of things that can work well here is one, there's like a smooth intro. It's not just one person books a call and another one then goes on, on that demo. Um, and the other thing is like from a training perspective, a lot of SDRs are interested in becoming AE. So it's quite good from a training perspective. And even like, if you understand the discovery process as an AE, it can actually help you with outbound because you can be asking like better probing questions on your, on your cold calls. And then just the final thing is like a really basic thing because I see AEs often not doing this is if you get booked a meeting by an SDR and they're not going to be on that call, check the notes in Salesforce because like, or whatever CRM you're using, because I see it all the time where like SDRs get really annoyed because they hand over a lead and then they listen to the call by the AE and the AE is just asking all the same questions and the buyers obviously there like, I've already gone through all of this. So. Yeah, for sure. No, lots of key points there. Okay, cool. So um, if we look at, so at Cognizant, let's take an example, we've split out our inbound and outbound teams. So we've got a MDR and we've got an SDR. What's your view on that in terms of actually having like fragmented teams and separated teams for marketing leads and outbound leads? And how do you see, particularly the MDRs, how do you see them working with marketing? Should that sit under marketing's remit or does that still sit under sales remit? Yeah, the inbound v outbound split is is an interesting one. I used to believe in inbound outbound, like splitting it as well. Um, I'm actually now thinking the model is better to merge the two. And the reason is that the thing is, everything is actually really all bound when you think about it. Like if I look at the attribution of all the customers you brought into Growth Genie, there's some inbound and some kind of outbound element to it. So if I give you an example, if an inbound BDR gets a lead, someone else may already be talking to that person and then they, they get an inbound lead. So then it's a bit of like an attribution model about who's going to get this. Is it inbound or is it is it outbound? And then also if you get an inbound lead from your website, say someone downloads some, you guys have like great content. So they go to your webinar or your uh, they download an ebook. You've then got to think about that post 
person with an outbound model and think about the account and not just the individual because like you as Jonathan may um, download something on our website but then I also want to be reaching out to like other stakeholders like within Cognizant I want to reach out to marketing I want to reach out to your CEO right so that's the thing is I think pro the problem is if you just do inbound the inbound BDRs are often thinking just about leads and they should really be thinking about accounts especially if you're selling into the enterprise and in terms of the MDRs and the leads and accounts, one of the things that we found internally was like this joint attribution model. It's, it's one of the biggest pain points. If people have got this split, how do you advise that they build out this joint attribution model to ensure that, yeah, you're really getting the good insight from what channels are performing? Because it, it does give a skewed view, doesn't it, to an extent? Yeah, the problem with attribution is, is, is similar to what I was saying before, is you can go on, like someone can be outbounding, right? So you, like, you may have an SDR, he's like outbounding a lead and he's actually writing really good messaging. It's just not, it's not the right timing. And they get back like, oh, contact me in three months. And then anyway, the lead comes in and then they go to the website. Maybe they do download an ebook and then they become a, a customer. And then it's like, oh, that's a, a marketing lead, right? But actually like the SDRs, if they're in sales, they were a big part of it. And then it's like, well, who, who it, that's the problem with attribution is it's like, which step is the most important? Um, I'm certainly not an expert in that. I would recommend hiring very good like marketing ops and sales ops. I think those are gonna, they're already like very well-paid people. But I think um, as you grow, especially once you're like 100 employees plus, I see at all the companies that we work with, the sales ops team are always like the most in-demand team. So um, yeah, that's, that's what I'd recommend. I don't wanna give recommendations on that because it's outside my uh, areas of expertise. Perfect. And you spoke earlier about when inbound leads come in that you need to have the mindset that you focus on the account rather than just the lead itself. Do you think every team should have an account-based approach or does that vary company to company and industry to industry? Yeah, 100%. Obviously, when you're dealing with smaller companies, right? So like typically if I get, say if I take Growth Genie, like if a, if a company came in that was like, you know, 20 employees or less or something, I'm always going to like target the CEO and just call the CEO straight away. Even if, you know, a VP or something comes in, I'm always like really the CEO is probably going to be the one signing the check here. So I think as you go upstream, and you're targeting bigger and bigger accounts, like account-based sales, marketing, whatever you want to call it, it just becomes more and more important. So it's really, and I think that's one of the issues I see when we when we work with companies, especially with the SDR teams, because the AEs, uh, once you get into being an AE, you realize like account-based because you, when you're first an AE, you often lose deals because you're speaking to the wrong person and you learn the hard way. That certainly happened to me. The SDRs, they don't, you know, they may get, like a uh, so we have a we have a company that sell to um, marketers and they may get like you know performance marketing specialists but there's like four layers above them and then they're like oh I had a good conversation I'm like well have you spoken to the VP of marketing have you spoken to the digital marketing manager etc and they don't kind of think about that at the start so yeah it's really important if you're selling to companies really anyone apart from startups you think about some kind of account based model very cool and so if we look at Obviously, sales notoriously has quite a high turnover. How how do you go around when you're building these teams and advising organizations how to structure sales teams? But when we look particularly at like the compensation of sales team, like what do you think to be like the ideal compensation model for SDRs and A's? Yeah, very, very good question. This. So it's funny actually, because I saw a few clients do something new last year, um, which I actually really like. And especially if you're trying to go more enterprise, right? Is not say they had, for example, the SDRs needed to get 10 qualified opportunities uh, a month. 
Um, that was their target. And now they're going towards a revenue goal, right? So because five opportunities could be worth 10 times what 10 opportunities is if they're like five really good accounts, right? So at the moment, they're setting like a, a revenue goal, which will be pipeline, right? So booking like a million in pipeline per SDR a, a year or a quarter or whatever it is. So I actually really like that model. And that's and also what I've noticed already with the companies that are doing it, that they are actually getting the SDRs to be more account-based because now they're thinking, okay, if I'm going upstream, if I'm going for larger accounts, I need to be more account-based. Now, another thing on this, this is a totally separate point. We have a client that did something really innovative. This has literally just happened, which I really like. So they had their sales kickoff. Well, the VP of sales did. He said, look, this is what we did last year. You've all been at the company for over a year. I want us today to set the targets for, for 2021. So basically like crowdsource the targets together for their whole sales team, rather than a VP of sales, just like pulling a number out. And now they're already all really happy working towards the same goal that they decided together. So I thought that was pretty cool. Very, very cool. We've done something similar with our CS team. We got them to sign up for their targets for the year. Yeah, I think you're right at the buy-in. If you get the team's buy-in, that's, that's really, really key. In terms of metrics, like, yeah. What do you track when you're working with clients and what's like the most important metric to you? Like what's that North Star metric that you, you live and breathe by? Yeah, product, we, we do. We do work on the closing side as well. Naturally, our, our scope is often we start with outbound and then we start working with the AEs and then the AEs start getting outbound ops. And it's like, how do you close an outbound op? Because closing an outbound and an inbound op is, is very different. So but generally we're, we're working, we're trying to get companies more business from outbound. So yeah, it's the number of qualified opportunities. Then it's the pipeline that's coming from those opportunities, which is what I just talked about. And then you've got the conversion rates like per channels, like what conversion rate are you getting on your automated email sequences? What conversion rate are you getting from a conversation, someone picking up the phone to a book meeting? And then like, if I'm looking at something like Cognizant, if I'm gonna assess Cognizant data, or any vendor, I'm going to look, what's the conversion rate of a, a cold call to someone actually picking up the connect rate, right? So these are all, and then, you know, you've got your open rates, click rates, but the final goal really is like the number of opportunities from outbound, the, the pipeline from outbound. And then if you're looking at the closing side, um, that's going to be different, right? But if a lot of your deals aren't closing, even though you've got loads of outbound ops, you've got to look, there's two things that could be going wrong. It's either there's something wrong with the person closing them, or they're not qualified, right? So you're doing something wrong in, in that process. So those are a few of the metrics that, that I think about. Okay. And if we look at the metrics, like, because it's all well and good having all these numbers, but how frequently are you advising and looking at it? Looking at this? Are you looking at this on a weekly basis, monthly basis? And what do you advise clients? Because obviously you can get information overload. Yeah. yeah. How frequently are you observing these metrics? Yeah, I tend to look at them like once a week. That's just because we work with lots of different clients. Uh, if I was like in my last role, I'd be looking at them every day, pretty much looking at marketing as well, because I was running marketing as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important to be on top of it. We didn't have a strong sales ops at my last company. So I'm like working with some of the clients now, it's, it's cool that they do have great sales ops teams. And like I said, I can say, hey, can you pull this report? Because some of these sales ops superstars, it takes them like 20 minutes. It would take me like five hours to do it. So, um, so that's really good. Yeah, as I said, invest in sales ops, get the data. And then because once you, you're able to see it, once you've got a good sales ops team, then actually you can identify those weaknesses in people and you can help them with it. And my approach to coaching as well, like if I see someone's, you know, struggling, I just say, 
I don't tell him what to do or, or her. I say, what's the biggest obstacle at the moment? Like what's helping you from, from hitting target? And we have a conversation, we can sort it out. That thing where you can, and I've seen people transform from that. That all starts with being able to identify those metrics on the back end. Okay, cool. And in terms of the biggest challenges, like what challenges do you perceive there to be for sales teams currently? And what do you think some of the challenges will be in the future? Yeah, I think when it comes to outbound, it's just breaking through the noise. I think the problem with the the pandemic is that because everyone's at home, I think they're sending like more emails, more LinkedIn messages than ever before because they're not going to events, they're not going to the office, not even like water cooler chats. They're using that time to to be on LinkedIn and emails. So like email email was already noisier. I think it's like twice as you get twice as many prospects emails as before. LinkedIn wasn't that noisy. Now it's super noisy, even with like posts and stuff. Um, so I think in a way it makes it more fun because your messaging needs to be even more on point to, to break through. And then I think the, the, the big issue with, with calling for me and, and our clients, like the data shows calling is still the number one channel. It's just about getting people to pick up the phone, right? Like connect rates on phone calls are, are going down all the time. Um, and then, yeah, data is actually a huge problem for, for all clients as well that, that we see. So, yeah, those are, those are typically the biggest issues that we see. Cool. Do you see any channels being heavily underutilized at the moment? SMS and WhatsApp. Um, and then it's not a channel, it's more a medium, but like voice notes on LinkedIn. Like we pretty much get, the problem with LinkedIn, it's difficult to track the data because it doesn't like an open API, but it's probably like three to four times the reply rate of voice notes versus all messages i prefer them also because i find videos can be quite cumbersome to make so you could probably send 10 voice notes in the time it takes you to send two um, videos i mean voice notes are even quicker than like typing a message i think so use voice notes on linkedin i literally get so many messages just saying oh love your voice note didn't know you could do that on linkedin right and just start a conversation around that and then with sms you have to be careful because it's their personal mobile and you know you have to be careful but if you have really good messaging the open rate on a cold sms text is 90 percent versus 20 percent for an email so yeah go for, go for it with texting as well okay do you recommend then for the first step of a new a new prospect to go down the sms route is that you have to be very careful so our approach so like to give you a little takeaway uh actionable insight for for the audience here is i recommend giving something away for free like essentially on your first steps and not trying to book a meeting so in our case we have like three bits of content that we know are really popular right we have uh, an outbound cadence for sdrs we have like a follow-up cadence for aes after they do a demo to get it to close one and then we have a, a playbook and then actually we've also got a new thing that's been quite popular, which is templates for SMS and sales, which is relevant to this. These are all things that I can just sell, send to revenue leaders. That I know are gonna help them with their job. They don't say anything about Growth Genie. So that's what I could do in a text is say, um, I'd probably call them first if they don't answer, um, send them a text and say, hey, Jonathan, we've noticed that SMS templates get three times as many meetings as emails. I just sent you some, uh, some templates on email, like let me know what you think of it, right? And then just by sending that text, they're much more likely to, to open an email and then you kind of like engage them in a conversation. So our, our approach is very much about like starting a conversation with someone. And then at that point, it's much easier to book a meeting and like put them in the pipeline. Cool. And you spoke there about like providing insight to these revenue leaders. If we were to look broadly, like what is one piece of advice that you would give to a sales leader today or one thing that you would change for, for sales leaders? Like what, what would that be? I think one piece of advice, it, it, 
in this environment that we're working in, in like the remote environment, when you take on new staff, like get to know them. Cause I think when you're in the office, often it happens naturally. Cause you may have like an onboarding process where you like, you know, you take Bill, the new AE out to lunch and uh, get to know him. And it's very much, you're not talking about business, but what I found in like the remote environment, people are normally like straight in, there's no like small chat or anything. It's really important to get to know the personalities of like the people in your team. And I think because we're not in the office, it's not happening as much. So I think that's really important. Get to know the personalities of the people you're working with. And to give you an example, I wrote about this actually on LinkedIn earlier in the week. We've been working with a company and they had two AEs and they both told me completely separate things. But the funny thing is they were both right. One of them said, I always stand up on cold calls because I have more energy, right? Because they got a standing desk. And that's what I do. I was like, yeah, 100%. And then another one told me, he's like, oh yeah, I've actually started sitting down on cold calls because like I had too much energy before. And even though I normally recommend standing up, I know this guy and he's like so enthusiastic and he was kind of like going a bit crazy on calls. And I was listening to the calls and I was like, no, this is working for him. So I was like, that's those kind of nuances are really important to get to know the personality because you can't have a one size fits all approach when you're like managing a sales team. Mm, okay, very good. So Michael, that concludes the podcast today. So thank you so much for your time. That was really, really insightful. Thank you very much. Cheers, Jonathan. Appreciate the invite. Cool. Cheers, Michael. That was really good. Awesome.